My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are with us this morning. We're going to dive right in, try to, try to get through this today. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. It's where we're going to be hanging out today if you don't have a Bible with, uh, with you yourself. Um, in, when you walk in, you receive the worship God. If you want to take a look in there, love for you to follow along in there. If you don't have one of those, you can always look at, at the screen. Um, We've been in this series called Freeway, and this has been a, a really, really cool series. It's, it's not just about what happens here on Sunday mornings. We have our Connect Group semester going on, and we're going through a book called Freeway all at the same time. And so we're trying to correlate all this. So it's not just about what's happening on Sunday morning, but it's what's happening throughout the week. And I'm hearing some incredible stories of people that are getting a lot out of this. And, and, and I'm excited about today, but I also know that every single Sunday... Uh, you walk in here and you've got a lot of things going on in your life. There's, there's a lot of uh, things that you're facing. There's a lot of things that you're dealing with. And every once in a while you come into church and the thing that we're talking about happens to be the exact thing that you're, you're dealing with in your life. And you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's reading my mail. And then probably 90% of the time you're like, this guy has no clue what's going on in my life. And, and so there's like this, this stark contrast of where it is. Um, but we come to church because we know that there's something about gathering together with other believers that, that God just does some things that he doesn't do necessarily while we're by ourselves. There's some sort of power that's a little bit more evident in these environments. It gives us a chance to worship and it gives us a chance to connect to God and to each other. And I get that and, and I understand that. And and honestly, today is, this, this whole weekend has just been a, a, a difficult weekend. There's a lot of things going on in life, a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of things going on personally and in my family, and, and, and I feel really, really emotional today, and I'm not necessarily ready to talk about it, but I do know this, that in life we all experience some setbacks, we all experience some loss. Um, I, I know that I feel like I'm experiencing some setbacks and some loss right now, and I and, and all of ours is different. Uh, some of your loss might be the fact that you feel like you're losing your marriage right now. There's tension right there, and it feels like your spouse is 180 degrees separated from you. For others of you, it might be that a, a child is running from God, and you're like, man, where are they at? And it's, there's, there's all these things, and it might be you feel like you're losing something there. And, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it is that you're carrying today. And this message may not apply to you at all today. But I just want to tell you this, before we dive in and before we get started, I just want to remind you that no matter what you're facing today, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening all around us, God is still in control. God is in control, and even when it doesn't make one bit of sense, I want you to know that he is with you. He's with you today. And so if you don't take anything else today with you, I want you to know that right now God is in control and he is with you and he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. He is for you today. And so uh, that was just my little soapbox. And so we're going to jump into this today. Um, we've been in this series and we've been talking about these six steps where ultimately the final step is that we have 
freedom in our life and that's the ultimate goal I would think for all of us is to be completely and 100% free in our lives and, and today we're talking about ownership but before we get to ownership I just want to review a little bit the first two weeks because I think it's important because each of these steps build upon one another and we talked about awareness in the first week we said it's important that we become self-aware and we did some different tests and some different things and we come to find out that for a lot of us, we're not very self-aware of what's happening in our life. We might be aware of some things that are happening, but not everything. And we said that awareness in our life will increase as hurry decreases. And we define hurry as what's going on inside of us. It's not just the physical activities of what's going all on all around. It's the inward condition of our soul. And we said that really hurry is, isn't like a calendar issue because we think that if we can just get some things off of our calendar, we'll have more time and we won't be in anywhere near as much of a hurry. But we said it's not a calendar issue. Really, it's a heart issue because it's a contentment issue. It's where we say, you know, what I have is not enough. And God is saying, I am more than enough. And you've got to be aware that I'm trying to speak to you and I'm trying to show you some things in your life that you're not very cognizant of in this moment. And as we start becoming aware of what's happening in our life, what will happen is we start to move into the second phase, which was last week, which was discovery, where we'll start to look at our life and we'll just start to discover some things. We'll discover how broken and busted and bruised and just how much we need God in our life. And we said that there's three things that we've got to have in order to move forward for that. We've got to have the wisdom to look at our past. And really dive into our past because we said our past is not our past if it's still impacting our present. Your past is not behind you if it's still impacting everything you're doing today. And then we said you have to have the courage to face the present. you got to face what's right in front of you right now. And then we need to have the faith to believe that no matter what's happened in the past and what's happening currently, that God has the ability to heal us. He has the ability to take care of whatever we're dealing with in our life. And we said as we start discovering, man, we'll start seeing some things in our life. We'll start seeing some unhealthy patterns that eventually will cause us to come to a, a road where we have got to make a choice. We're going to come to a crossroads where we're going to say, I, 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 I'm going to hide and run from these things or I'm going to blame my way out of these things or I'm going to own these things and I'm going to do something about it. Which leads us to today, and it's all about ownership. It's about taking personal responsibility for the things that are in my life. And, and I've got to be honest with you, uh, I really believe that this is where I, I'm going to lose some of you. You know, step one, being aware, that, that makes sense. Discovering some things about ourselves, man, I, I can do that. But step three... There's going to be some of you that say, man, whoa, 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 I'm not really sure about this. I, I mean, I want freedom. I just don't want freedom at that price. I just don't know that I want to pay that price. I don't know that I want that that bad. And, and what I want to say to you today is when those voices start rising up inside of you and start encouraging you, you don't want to go this far. You don't want to go in this direction. In that moment, identify and push back because you got to identify with the Christ that is inside of you that he who overcame this world can overcome anything that's in your life today. 
And a lot of us, we won't want to do this. And, and let me tell you why you won't want to do this. Because we would rather blame and judge Because we like to think I'm right and you're wrong. In the big things and in the small things, we like to think I'm right and you're wrong. And, and let me kind of I- explain it to you like this. Um, we, last week, a group of us, some of our worship guys and some of our tech guys, we went to Orlando for a conference. And, and we were driving up the turnpike. And uh, the left lane of the interstate, what is the left lane of the interstate for? Going fast or passing people, right? Can we all agree on that? That's what the left lane of the interstate is for. And so if you're going the speed limit, what lane should you be in? Right lane. If you're going below the speed limit, what lane should you be in? Get off the road. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that wasn't an option, but that's, if we could have that choice, we would take that choice. So we're cruising along, and I've got a little bit of a speeding problem. This is confession right here. Uh, You know, um, if you're a cop, please just plug your ears right now. I mean, we're, Joe, 80, 85, was that about where we were cruising at? Uh, Joe is sitting in the seat next to me, and we're cruising along, and there is a a smart car in in the left lane, and and I drive a smart car, so I'm not hating on smart cars um, or Priuses, if we want to be exact. there's a Prius in the left lane, and we're cruising up, and I think, oh, they're going to be kind, because when you see somebody flying up on your tail, what do you do? You, you change lanes. Not this guy. We cruise right up on him. I mean, like, we're, we're kissing his bumper. We're like, hello, nice to see you. Looking mighty fine back here, you know, and, uh, and I look over at Joe, and Joe looks at me, and we both almost at the exact same time, we go, why is this idiot in this lane? Because the person that drives slow in the fast lane, what are they? They are idiots. If that's you, I'm sorry. We just defined you. Pray for you in the back after service. That's how we responded. On the flip side of that, if we're cruising at a speed and, and we're doing pretty well and there's always somebody that goes flying past you at the speed that you're going what is that person called? Or a maniac. Right? Like, look at that maniac. He's going to cause an accident here out on the road. They're maniacs. Someone going slower is an idiot. Somebody going faster is a maniac. You want to know why? Because whatever speed you're going at is the right speed for you. It's the right speed. And this has been our condition from the very beginning. And it's been the condition since Adam and Eve. And, and, and there's two points on your outline, and we're going to start with the first one. And it's this. is Taking ownership means I'm going to stop blaming God and others for my circumstances. Taking true ownership in my life means that I've got to stop blaming God, and I've got to stop blaming others for my circumstances. And we're good at the blame game. In fact, I was talking to a a father this week, and, and he has four kids, and, and I was asking him, because I, I love to pick dad's brains because they're constantly teaching their kids. They're trying to come up with, come up with creative ways to, 
to teach them different things. And I was like, so tell me some of the things you've taught your kids over the years. And he has a pretty wide span of kids. And he's like, well, I've, I've taught them how to brush their teeth. I've taught them how to clean the room. I've taught them how to tie their shoes. I'm teaching one of them right now how to drive a car. Uh, I'm teaching another one potty training. Praise the Lord. I'm like, good for you. That's a good thing. And then I, I go, in all of those things that you've taught your kids, let me ask you this. Have you ever had to teach your kids how to blame? He's like, blame? We didn't ever teach him that. They just knew how to do that. He goes, in fact, I remember this one time. He said, my son, when he was really young, he was going through the kitchen, and he was walking by and stubbed his toe on the high chair and tripped and fell. And he goes, I'll never forget. He gets up, he grabs the high chair, and he throws it on the ground, and he goes, that stupid high chair tripped me. And the dad was like, what? I mean, the high chair is an immovable object. It had no, it was not the culprit for the crime. Like that kid was just clumsy. He just didn't realize it at the time. But we like to blame. One of my, one of my favorite things is I went home one day quite a few years ago and, and, and Judge Judy was on TV. And I'm just a sucker for those things. Please uh, forgive me. And, and I, I'll never forget this. This guy was bringing this, his case against this woman and he's pleading why she's guilty and it gets time for her to have her response and she looks at Judge Judy, God's honest truth and she, her defense was this, Judge Judy, the devil just be so busy in life. She was freaking blaming the devil for ripping this dude off. Why? Because we naturally want to blame anyone and anything for our circumstances. We find anything because it's our human condition. We play the blame game continuously. And it all starts in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here on earth, she gave me some of the fruit to eat. And I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It's interesting because people have made this point over the years over and over and over again. It took a serpent to deceive a woman. All it takes to deceive a man is a naked woman. 
Guys, don't try to get it over on here. You're not that crafty. Women, you can get anything on over us if you're naked, okay? It just, it's only for married people. Single people don't get naked, okay? <laughs> Disclaimers. Got to throw them out there. Other people will take a liberty. And justice for all. No, I'm just. So what we see here in this passage is we see a, a, a ton of blaming going on. And, and this is why we're so good at the blame game. Because it's in our spiritual lineages. It's in our DNA to naturally blame others. It's, it's part of our family and tree. Adam and Eve, who are the beginning of the family tree, they said it. Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames the serpent. And that's what we do. We like to minimize our guilt by making others look bad. It's what we do. We like, to, we like to minimize what we've done and put it off on others so they look worse than how we look. What's really interesting about this story that most people never point out is that both Adam and Eve, they told the truth in this story. They didn't lie. They told the truth. When Adam says, the woman gave me the apple, he was telling God the truth right there. And when God looks at it, Eve and goes, what's up, Eve? She, she tells the truth and she said, the serpent told me and I ate it. They didn't lie. But what they're doing, both of them are making excuses for taking personal responsibility for their actions. And as long as Adam could blame Eve, he didn't really feel bad about what he did. And as long as Eve could blame the serpent, then she was just an innocent victim in this whole scheme. And there are so many truths in this passage, and, and it would take a long time to be able to hit them all. And so I just put some bullet points in your outline, and we're going to kind of hit these really quick because I, I just think that these are important for us to understand, and the first one is this, is the tendency to blame others is so deeply ingrained in our human nature. That tendency, just like I said, nobody had to teach us that. It's just ingrained within us. We naturally blame in circumstances. The second one is, is left to ourselves, we will do anything to avoid taking personal responsibility for our actions. It's always on somebody else. It's always on something else. We never want to take the personal responsibility for what we did. The third one is, is blaming others is often nothing more than a subtle twisting of the truth in order to take the heat off of ourselves. Because what's happening is, is the heat's coming on us and we're trying to shift that heat to someone else. We, we don't want the spotlight. We want the spotlight on that person or that thing or that situation. It's not our fault. But here's the most important one of them all. Without a deep working of the grace of God within us, we'll continue to do exactly what Adam and Eve did. We'll just continue down this cycle of playing the blame game over and over and over again. And there's a word that's in our culture that is used very often for what Adam and Eve did and for what a lot of us are doing. And it's called victimization. And that, what that is, is it's us constantly blaming others for what's going on in our life. We're constantly blaming other people for what's 
happening inside of us. And some of you are going to push back on this, but honestly, a lot of us, we just need to hear this. We get this all the time, man. I've just, I've just been treated unfairly, or I got the short end of the stick, or I, I got dealt a bad deck of cards or a bad hand of cards for this life to play. And some of us, we blame our parents. We say, you know what? The reason I'm not able to have healthy relationships is because my parents got a divorce, and I never saw a healthy relationship. And some of us, we blame our husband, and we say, you know what? The reason, the reason I don't communicate and we don't have a healthy relationship is because he doesn't talk to me and it's always his fault and and some of the husbands we blame our wives because we just say they're just so emotional and I don't know how to deal with crying and so you blame your wife or you blame your kids or you blame your church and you say you know what it's the pastor's fault if he would just talk about what he should be talking about instead of these subjects that don't deal with me then I would grow or it's too shallow or it's too deep or or we blame this church for we don't live in enough community and then we turn around and we blame the schools because our kids aren't learning at the level they should be so it must be the teacher's fault couldn't possibly be my students fault we blame politics for what's going on around us when the reality is, is we elect the officials. When we didn't turn that report in at work, we blame Joe in accounting who never gets the, the 1082s to us with his stapler. I don't know. When we lose our jobs, we, it's always the boss's fault. They never set us up for success. That guy had it in for us the entire time. We blame our way. And let me just throw a little disclaimer out. Man, if, if, if every three years you're changing your job, and it's always the boss's fault, or it's always the company's fault, or it's always, it's always some outside circumstance, maybe it's time you took a look at the one common denominator that's inside of all of those situations yourself. Maybe. Students, you failed to do your homework, so you blame your brother or your sister or your dog that they took your textbook or ate your textbook. If you get angry, it's not your fault. They provoked you. It's their fault. If you end a relationship, it's not your fault. You're normal and sane. That person is cray-cray. Takes one to know one. I mean, does any of this sound familiar? It should. This is you. This is me. This is all of us in this place. Because we learn from very early on how to have the victim's battle cry. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And this is what I've learned. Victims never walk in victory. They just never do. Another verse for you, Jeremiah 17, 9. It's a great verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, a lot of us are like, well, but this is how I feel. Well, let me just tell you something about your feelings. Your feelings lie to you. Feelings aren't truth. They're feelings and they're deceptive. They will deceive you 
all day long. And that's why most of us don't want to take personal responsibility for the things that have happened in our lives because we don't feel that way. And some of y'all, you need to take a moment like this and you need to stop. You need to take a step back and you need to say, I'm going to stop blaming God. I'm going to stop blaming others. Now, I know some of you guys are, are pushing back big time right now because you're saying, TJ, for real, are you saying that I need to take the blame for everything that's happened in my life? Are you saying that that's all on me? Listen to me. No, that is not what I'm saying right now. It's not what I'm saying. In fact, some of you, you really are victims. There have been some terrible injustices that have happened to you that should have never happened to you that you were vulnerable and people took advantage of you in fact i think that all of us at some point have been a victim in some situation i'm not denying the fact that that is true and i just want you to make sure that you hear me like i'm not i'm not saying that that isn't true but what it doesn't mean is that this message doesn't apply to you because here's the second point it's this it may not be my fault what happened to me it may not be your fault what happened to you but it is your responsibility because it's your life listen there have been some terrible injustices that have happened in my life I'm positive there have been some terrible injustices that have happened in your life. And while those things might not be your fault and they might not be my fault, listen, it is my responsibility. It's my responsibility in how I react. It's my responsibility in how I live after that. It's my responsibility about how I respond and how I move forward in life. Just like it's your responsibility to act, your responsibility to move forward. It's your responsibility in life to take that and do something with it. And the problem that some of us have is, is that we would rather be right than be free. Some of us would rather continue to get, try to get justice and be justified than to be whole. Some of us would rather continue to assign blame to every person than get the healing that we need. That's the problem. About nine years ago, Shayla and I were, we were driving back from uh, the Tampa area. We lived in Bradenton at the time and we were, we were doing a lot of things with doctors, trying to figure out some things that were going on in our, our personal life and get some things taken care of. And we were driving back to go to a church service uh, on a Wednesday night after our doctor's appointment. And we were about maybe a half a mile to a mile from our exit. And so we're cruising down I-75 South. And, and I'm probably cruising at a good pace, probably a 80, maybe 85, I don't know, somewhere in that range. That's, I got a driving problem, okay? Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm driving a Prius or a Porsche. It's going to be the same. Uh, nothing can, can't nothing hold me down. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're driving along, and, and, and all of a sudden, these two guys go flying past us like we're not even moving. Like, they had to be doing like a buck 15, a buck 25. I mean, they were just, they were cruising. 
And not only were they cruising, but they were whipping in and out of traffic like crazy. And so those were the maniacs we were talking about earlier. And so these guys go forward, and they go past us, and, and we're watching them. And one of them's in front of the other, and the other one's just pacing behind it. And the, the first one happens to be in this blind spot. Like his blind spot happens to be where a semi-truck is, and he tries to cut over. And the truck, you see the brakes come on, but the trucker clips the back end of his car and he sends it tw- spinning like crazy. The, trucks, the trucker starts to jackknife, hits the other car. He goes spinning off. An- the- another car gets hit. And all of a sudden, all of these cars are sliding across I-75, which at this point on this side of the road, the southbound lane, is three lanes wide. And these cars are sliding across the entire intersection. They go down off of an embankment. And the first one hits a telephone pole. And the other two, they, they end up somewhere and... And we're watching this happen in slow motion, and we're like, no. You, you all have watched it, right, where you're like, you know what's going to happen, and you can't react fast enough. And so, man, we hurry up, and we pull over on the side of the road. I jump out of the car, and I'm running down to this car that hit the telephone pole because this dude is either hurt really bad or he is dead. Like, that's how bad of an accident it is. And as I'm running down, I hear somebody yell out, call the police. And then I hear another voice go, no, call an ambulance. We all know what they meant. They, they meant call 911. They'll, 911, they'll decide who, who needs to come and who needs to respond right there. But there is a major difference in perspective between calling the police and calling an ambulance. I've been in four accidents. Yeah, four accidents. Uh, in, in my life, and, and I would call them all like fender bender type accidents that I would consider police calling accidents. And what I mean by that is, is when you're in an accident, a fender bender, you call the police so the police can, can, can come out and they can assign blame, right? Because we want to know who was right, who was wrong, who deserves the ticket, who doesn't, who's going to pay the insurance bill, who's the guy that's going to be on the backside. And so you call the police when you need blame assigned. You call the police when you need to know who's right and who's wrong. You don't call the police when you're in an accident and somebody's hurt. You call the ambulance because you need healing. And what's really interesting to me is that some of you have been in some catastrophic accidents in life. And what you've been doing while with all of your hurt and your pain and your shame and your guilt and all those things is you're calling the police and you're trying to assign blame instead of calling the ambulance to get healing in life. In other words, your desire to assign blame is greater than your desire to be healed. It's an interesting passage I want to show you in John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic, called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now the question that Jesus asks here in this story is a really interesting question. Because you would think, of course this man wants to get well. I mean, he's lying there at this pool that was known for when an angel would stir it up, the first person in would get healed. And you think, what is Jesus doing in this moment? Is he like insulting this guy's intelligence by asking him this stupid question? Like, Jesus, of course he wants to be healed. And Jesus goes, do you want to get well? Because I think it's entirely possible that while this man was laying there at this pool, he doesn't really want to get well. He could have the appearance of wanting to be well. But deep down inside, does he really want to be well? And what Jesus is probing at is he's probing at this guy's will. He's saying, listen, listen. He's saying, do you want to be well? Because I have the power and I have the authority to change everything in your life. I have the power to make you well. Do you want to be well? Because here's what's going to happen. If I make you well, things are going to have to change in your life. And maybe, just maybe, you don't want things to change. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, man, if I make you well, you can't be a beggar anymore. You can't sit here like you've done for the last 38 years, and this is all you've ever known. I mean, in reality, this is your identity. You're not going to be able to do this anymore. There is a price to pay for your healing. And there's a prize to play for our healing. And so Jesus is asking him, do you really want to get better? Because if you do, it can totally and 100% take place. And the question I have for all of us today is, is this. Do you really want to be free? Do you really, really want to be free? Do you really want to be well? I know you say you want freedom, and I know you say you want health, and you want Jesus to make you well, but do you really want that? Because if you get that, there is a price to be paid, and that price that is going to have to be paid is you're going to have to give up your job as an injustice collector. You're going to have to give up collecting all the injustices and all the wrongs that have happened in your life and you're going to have to give up endlessly repeating the things that have been done to you. You're going to have to give up trying to get people to, to empathize with your situation. You're going to have to give up a lot of those things. You're going to have to give up the mistreatment that people have done in your life. You're going to have to give those things. And I know it's, it seems hostile and unfair, but Jesus is saying, listen, this is a trade. You've got to give something up. You've got to give up that grudge, and, and ultimately, you've got to forgive those people. And let's just be honest. For some of us, we've walked with our grudge and our unforgiveness and our guilt and our shame for so long that at this point in our life, it truly is our identity. It's a lot of our motivation in life. And 
And if we want to be well, we're actually going to have to engage in friendships and relationships and actually trust those people. Instead of keeping people at an arm's length all the time. We're going to have to give up getting sympathy from people. But we're going to have to give up our job as a person who just collects as many injustices as possible. And it's hard. Because that's where a lot of us, we find who we are today. And we find a lot of satisfaction in the fact that a lot of people owe us for what they've done. And Jesus is asking, do you really want to be healed today? Do you want that freedom? Do you want to experience the life that I've always dreamed for you to have? Now, if your answer to that is, is yeah, I, I, I want that, TJ. Like, I want that really bad, but honestly, I'm just, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I, I don't even know how to begin or what to do or how to move because that's all that I've ever known. This is what I know. There's only one thing that can give you the courage to rise above your guilt and your shame and your pain. And that is knowing that there is a God who loves you more than anything on this earth. His love for you is unconditional and it's a forever love. And without that love, you'll never have the courage, you'll never have the audacity, you'll never have the faith and the trust and the belief to take out a step and allow him to take the broken pieces of your shattered life and say, you know what, I can take these things and I can make something beautiful out of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the things that you think are so disgusting, I can make beautiful. And so the question for all of us is, is it, are we going to continue to call the police in our life and assign blame? Or is it time to make a different phone call and call the ambulance so we can experience the healing that we need? Did they hurt you? Yeah. Was it unjust 100%? Is it fair what you've experienced? Not at all. But here's the bottom line. Is you're the only one that can take responsibility. take it your friend can't take it your mom can't take it you have to take that step Jesus already took his step he went to the cross he said I'll take responsibility for all of your pain and your shame and your guilt and your sin and I'll leave it up there but we have to take the responsibility to go to him and say hey I'm going to give this to you my prayer for you guys is that today would be a day that you do that.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I love that this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. This is a place where when you're hurting and you're broken and and it seems like there's no hope in life, that we can come here and you are present. And your Holy Spirit is moving and speaking and bringing us to a place where we can see some things in our life. And you're drawing us to a crossroads where we can continue down the path that we've lived and continue to call the police and assign blame or we can choose a different path. To call on the name of Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame other people. While these things might not be my fault, they are my responsibility. And today I surrender them to you. And so I just pray right here that as, as people are doing that in their own way, the things that have they've held on to, the things that they've held captive to, that you would do a healing work that only you can do. God, you are the great physician. And when we call an ambulance, you show up. Thank you for your divine power. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for changing.